Thank you, everybody, for joining us for another Her Wild Outdoors episode. Today, my friend Miranda Huff is joining me from Montana. You are in Montana right now, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes, we live in kind of like South Central Montana. Yep. Yeah. You guys travel so much that I'm like, am I catching you at home? Am I catching you on the road? Uh, and I love following your adventures with your family, with your husband and the dogs. And it's just a fun, uh, I don't know. I just, I love checking in and seeing where you guys are and what you're doing. And it's, it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much. Yeah. We're home for a short little stint. Actually, my husband is out hunting and I'm home with the dogs right now, but um, <laughs> I'll be joining him later this week. So I'm excited. <laughs> Good. Sometimes we have to draw that straw, that, that, small straw, the the short one in order to stay back in the back, but it is fun getting out there. I'm glad you're going to get to do that. Um, I do want to kind of let you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you and how, um, how you are passionate about the outdoors and about what we do here. And so give us just a little bit of a background on you. Yeah, so I I grew up in a family that pretty much every weekend we were off to go hunting or off to go camping or off to ride dirt bikes or off to go fishing. So um, I was fortunate to have a dad that had like endless amounts of energy. And <laughs> now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh my gosh, how did you guys do this? Uh-huh. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it was, we were always on the go, you know, if we if we had something come up and we were supposed to go to school, my parents never hesitated to call us out of school to yep. go on adventures. And um, so anyways, I, I grew up in the outdoors. Um, I I always loved it, but I don't think I truly appreciated it until after I moved uh, to the East Coast to go to college. I mm-hmm. went to college in Maryland. Um, and I really only got to come home for like a week or two during the summertime to see my family and hopefully go on a like hike or backpacking trip. Um, so while I was off at college, I really kind of like realized, you know, I really miss that lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, growing up, I had the, the opportunity to, um, learn how to Western hunt from my dad. And I was able to harvest several pretty nice mule deer, a nice bull elk, um, lots of antelope, lots of does, lots of waterfowl. Um, and like I said, I I didn't truly appreciate it until it was kind of gone. Um, and so anyways, when I, after I moved back to Montana after college, um, I actually spent a couple summers up in Alaska guiding fishing trips. Um, And from that, from that, I realized that I really um, loved the service industry. I loved, you know, helping other people, you know, reel in their first fish or see, um, you know, a salmon for the first time or catch their first fish on a fly rod. So that was a really cool experience for me. And that kind of segued into when I moved back to Montana full time. Um, I really started diving into, um, I felt pretty confident with my fishing on my own, but I wanted to really dive into Western hunting on my own and not necessarily on my own, but feeling like I was competent to Mm -hmm. go out with other people 
and not just my dad and feel like I was actually contributing to the hunt yeah. and not just along for the ride or not just there for somebody else to guide me necessarily. So I get um, that. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a sense of I, empowerment to it. And I don't care if you're a man or a woman, being able to stand on your own two feet and not be dependent, uh, it is a good feeling. And being able to help somebody else is also a great feeling. So I get that. Yeah, for sure. So I kind of um, realized that, you know, when I started hunting on my own again or you know, maybe hunting with girlfriends or hunting with um, some of the guy friends I met over the years, um, I started to realize that while my dad helped me have so many amazing opportunities, he didn't really like teach me how to be um, like sufficient on my own, I guess. Mm, Yeah. Um, And so it was kind of like I was completely relearning how to hunt again. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously I had like gun safety and I knew how to shoot a bow and I kind of knew how to use, um, glass and I was very good at hiking. Um, but I definitely lacked the skill set and the confidence to be able to, you know, end up on a ridge in the mountains and know what to do if I saw an animal. So, Mm -hmm. um, or even find the animals. I think finding animals is honestly the hardest (laughs) part. Oh yeah. (laughs) I believe it. <laughs> um, yeah. So anyways, I kind of just took it upon myself and volunteered myself as pack mule and as um, somebody who was just coming along to like maybe film or take photos mm-hmm. or I'd go into the local archery shop and ask like the 70 year old men that were there that had hunted for like, yes. you know, 60 years. Yes. Like, there was a lot of people that were like very open and excited to help me learn. And, um, I just definitely put myself out there because from the outside looking in, um, there was a lot of people that just thought I was like this badass hunter, but little did they know, I really honestly didn't know what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I had to definitely take a, take a slice of humble pie and say like, okay, like I actually want to learn, like somebody help me, help me learn actually what I'm doing. And, um, it would have been really cool if that could have been my dad, but my dad has actually, um, he hasn't really grown tired of big game hunting. He just doesn't really enjoy it for himself anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, he's more of a waterfowl hunter now. Um, and so I couldn't really like ask my dad, you know, to teach me. So it definitely had to go out and ask other people, which um, was a great experience because yeah. I feel like when you learn from multiple different people, you learn multiple different styles and I you agree. can kind of pick and choose from what you like and what you don't like. And I agree. Um, I think the more people that you surround yourself with and that and like what you said, stepping out and asking to be a part, not – Asking to hunt, but asking to be a part of a hunt is such a great way of transitioning from being a child, being a teenager, growing up in it and and being led to then switching over to an adult mindset and, and taking it on as your own. And so you say humble pie, but it's actually, there's a lot of strength in being able to ask for help. And, and I think that 
you have to lower that pride level, but it actually shows more strength in saying, hey, show me how to do this. I want to do it right. I want to do it well. And I applaud you for it. I think that that's great. Yeah, thanks. No, I'm, I am so glad that I went through that season of, I think there was like maybe, I don't know, three or four seasons where I Mm -hmm. really didn't hunt for myself much or where I didn't really, um, you know, I might've shot like a decent deer or I might've shot an antelope. Mm -hmm. Um, but this past season was the first season where I basically filled every single one of my tags and a couple of them were on my own, like solo. So that's awesome. um, Yeah. It's been really cool to see the evolution and to see honestly, just myself, like finally have the confidence. Like that's the biggest thing for me is being able to go out there and like, feel like I actually have a chance to, Mm -hmm. you know, get on an animal, make a stock, you know, have a great harvest or make a great shot and and harvest the animal. Um, and feel like I, I am confident enough to not second guess myself. Yeah. Um, it's like Lindsay Persico. Do you know, Lindsay, she's hunt fiber on, on the Instagrams, but she said on a podcast once, she said, it's amazing to be able to go out and write your own story, to be able to make those decisions on which way you are going and then take the consequence, whether it's good or bad, of what that decision was. And so at least going into it when you make that decision when you're solo, even if it doesn't pan out, you go, okay, I made that decision. This is why I made that decision. This is why it worked or this is why it didn't work. And I'm going Mm -hmm. to now be able to make a different decision next time or base it on if it worked or if it didn't work, continuing on with making that kind of decision. And I think that that means a lot in writing your own story. Being able to do that, there's nothing wrong with hunting with people. There's nothing wrong with hunting solo. I wouldn't level one up over the other. It's different. But being able to write that story, being able to make that decision and go, okay, why am I making this decision? Is it because of this, this, or this? Is it going to work? It just adds some excitement to it. And when it does pan out, you're like, heck yeah, (laughs) that just happened. And it was because I made that decision. And I don't want anybody to hear me in saying that it's it's prideful. I think that there's a good sense of, like you said, confidence in it. There's a good sense mm-hmm. of, I, there's good pride and there's bad pride. And I think that you can be very proud of yourself for doing something without it going into the negative side of pride. And so being able to yeah. walk away and say, I did that. I did it by myself. Look what came of it. And I'm proud of myself for doing it that's where that confidence comes from. And it only comes from experience, negative and positive. Yeah. 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 And I think like for me too, um, you know, the outdoors in general has always presented a challenge for me. And I Mm -hmm. can't tell you the amount of times where I've been like, where I've realized how much I'm truly capable of. Yes. And I think that so many people miss out on finding out what they're truly made of or what they're truly capable of because they don't 
put themselves in positions to be challenged or yeah. to be pushed. Um, and that goes for like every area in life. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be hunting or outdoor related, but like, I cannot tell you how many people I would say definitely most of people never really do anything in life that proves to them how much they're capable of. Yeah. And for me, that's what I live for. Like I, I think that those experiences, they bring me closer to God. Mm-hmm. They bring me closer to who I am at my core. They help me reprioritize what's really important in life. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of why, why this tradition and why this lifestyle is so important to me. But I think everybody should find that one thing in their life that challenges them and forces them to find out what they're actually made of because um, it's important. It's, it's mm-hmm. a really good thing to have. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think that you've said it multiple times now when talking about getting ready for Western hunting, you kind of have to take yourself to that level of suck and then push through it. And it's, mm-hmm. uh, it is it is where you go, I can't do it anymore, and you keep going. Because when you're out there, like you have said and like others have said, you can't get to a stopping point and just stop or it's never going to come to fruition or you're not going to respect the animal that you just took if you have to stop. There's nothing wrong with resting and taking a break and keeping on going, but saying I'm done, I can't do it anymore – that's disrespecting mm-hmm. not only the work that you've put in, but it's disrespecting the animal that you've taken the life of. You've got to push through. You've got to push past that, whether it's with adrenaline or it's just with the I'm going to do it and just pushing into mm-hmm. the hurt of it. Uh, and I think that that's, that creates the character that you're striving for. It's the mm-hmm. it's the I – I'm not going to stop when it gets uncomfortable. I'm not going to stop when I can't breathe. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to just push through it because that's how you take steps forward instead of staying stagnant. I, yeah. I love that. Well, yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. It's, you've said it a couple of times. I've heard of a, a couple of other people say it, but it's um, whether it is the difference between staying on a treadmill or a climbing machine or pushing through weights that much harder through each time or you're out on the mountain and it's life and death like that's that's what you're prepping for and that's what you need to do yeah and I think you know for me the gym obviously is about health but Mm -hmm. um it the gym allows me that place every single day to go and to practice that mental yeah. toughness. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause there's not a whole lot of places you can find that. I mean, there's things like, you know, do you sleep in through your alarm every day? If you can learn how to just get up, even though you might be tired or even though you might not be ready to give up, get up. Mm-hmm. If you do that day in and day out, that builds mental toughness. If you go to the gym and you, you know, do 20 minutes on the treadmill and you're like, man, like, if I cut this five minutes short, short, it's really not going to make that much of a difference. But you decide, no, I'm going to finish out that last five minutes. That builds mental toughness. Yeah. If you, you know, are um, on the squat rack and you're squatting 
however much you squat and you're like, man, that was easy. Like you'd be, you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't throw some more weight on and do one more set. So that's kind of like the, the mindset and the lifestyle that I've tried to adopt. And I can't Mm -hmm. tell you how many times, um, it's funny too, because I, I hunt with my husband and his friends quite a bit. Um, I can't tell you how many times I have been in worse shape than all of them, but I have been the first one to make it up the mountain purely because I just have that yeah. don't quit mindset. Yeah. And it's, it, it can't, it's, it, people aren't born with it. It's built. So right. anybody can adopt it. It just takes day in and day out practice. Yeah. And you can start, like you said, this is, these are things that you can apply whether you are hunting, fishing, working out in your day job, like whatever you are applying it to, it's kind of like, what is it? Make your bed in the morning. Just get up and, and push through that alarm and don't sleep through it and then make your bed. And that is setting yourself up for, look, you've already accomplished two things on your to-do list that is pushing you forward. You're not going to get back in your bed. It's made. You're not going to, you're not going to close your eyes because the alarms often you've got things to do. And if you can just start your day off with that, then you're pushing forward into those goals and the more you knock off those goals of the day the better you feel honestly Mm -hmm. so um even if your one accomplishment in the day is to not sleep through the alarm and to make your bed you've accomplished it and and sometimes there are days when that's all you can do if we're talking Mm -hmm. about mental health it there There are so many days that I can go, 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 and I've got all these things I've got to do, and it feels good to get them done, but there there has to be a day of rest. And even on those days of rest where you're letting your body recover or you're letting uh, your mind recover, you still can get up at the alarm and you can get up and make your bed. And I think that... uh, I love how, you know, some of the most successful people in our world, they get up and they make their bed. So mm-hmm. if that's all you can do today, people, is get up and make your bed, do it. It doesn't take much, but it is mental. It does not take a whole lot of physical strength to make your bed, but it, it is a good mental step in the right direction of a day. And and then keep going, keep pushing through. I love that. I love that you bring that up a lot about mental toughness. And um, it has stood out to me because you and I met at TAC here in Tennessee. And I was like, who is yeah. this girl? <laughs> who is this? Um, I think I had my daughter with me the first time I saw you. And yeah. we were like, who is this? And uh, just then looking through your stuff, because we didn't have great service up there. But afterwards, looking no. through your stuff, I was like, dude, this girl's cool. I wish I could have had some more time to just sit down and chat. And um, I don't know. I was very impressed and encouraged by your messages. So thanks for being out there. My goodness. No, I was, I kind of knew who you were because I'd had a couple of friends that had been on the podcast, but mm-hmm. yeah, I was, I was so excited to, to meet you in person and hopefully next year, yes. um, I don't know if you're planning on going again, but hopefully next year we can connect again. Yes. And I think that oh, it's, and- mm-hmm. 
Go ahead. And this fall, hopefully, when you're in Montana, we can yes. <laughs> we we. I'm very excited about that trip. It, um, but you know, I have been following a lot of women who are doing that kind of life who and doing it well, and I think that that's a part of my. I don't know if it's psyching myself up for it because, you know, coming from Tennessee where our elevation is nil (laughs) to uh, over there with the terrain and everything, it is a little bit intimidating. It's a lot intimidating. And so, um, I don't know, getting encouragement and getting advice and working for it, um, it makes a difference having women in your life who are doing it and doing it well. So, Thank you. I love that my daughter can can watch that too and can have other women mm-hmm. in her life, not just me, but other women in her life who do it in a way that it is respectful and it is, uh, I don't know, I, I don't, I wouldn't ever fear her looking at any of your stuff. And so that's a huge yeah. compliment. No, that means, that means so much to me. And, um, I can't remember, it must, must have been a couple years ago now, probably probably around the time, I think it was actually around the time that I actually met my now husband. Um, I heard this quote, and I think it was from Jim Shockey. I, I can't remember exactly who it was from, but I think it was Jim Shockey. And he was basically talking about how... Um, you know, hunters in order to preserve the lifestyle and preserve the tradition and preserve basically conservation, mm-hmm. um, we need to be very careful about how we're presenting ourselves, especially today with social media. Yes. Because, you know, we, even even though not everyone is anti-hunter, there are still people out there who may have not already formulated an opinion mm-hmm. and i can't tell you there there have been multiple people that have reached out to me who were vegans or maybe had no idea about hunting but didn't really like love the idea of it that came to me and said like wow this is actually so cool and i feel like i can watch what you're doing and not have a bad taste in my mouth about it yeah. and they're just like thank you for Thank you for showing me what it's really like and not just, you know, the, the bloody, gory, mm-hmm. um, you know, game or sport of it. Because, right. um, yeah, I mean, that that quote several years ago, three, I don't know, probably, probably three years ago, really stuck with me. And I was like, wow, I have to be so careful yeah. about what I put out there, not because... Not because I like necessarily um, am trying to um, only bring out the you know the light of what's happening, but mm-hmm. because I want those people who are not you know a hundred percent understanding of the lifestyle or the the um, the tradition to have a positive first impression or have yeah. a positive. Um, you know, idea of what it's actually like, because for me, 
I mean, we, we just talked about my dogs before we got on this call. Yeah. Um, I'm an animal lover. I yeah. love animals probably more than most people do. <laughs> and that would include anti-hunters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so it, it's not like an easy task for me to go out and take, you know, an animal's life. Like I, I, I feel a great sense of remorse every time I do it, but Mm -hmm. at the same time, I have a huge appreciation for, you know, you know, an ethical shot and, you know, the animal living an entire life, you know, free and in the wild and then, you know, dying without being in pain like that to me is about as ethical as it can get. And, um, that's important to me. So I, I just hope that my platform, yeah, can be modest, can be, um, you know, motivational, inspirational, something that young girls can watch, but also that if an outsider who, you know, maybe came to follow me for something related, not, not to hunting, um, you know, I would pray that they would be able to watch my feed and really learn what this is all about right. from somebody who really takes takes pride in this way of life. So, yeah. yeah. I, Olivia Opry and, and I were talking about that on a podcast about how uh, we have had to evolve as hunters in presenting what we do. And okay. it's because, you know, back in the day when you had Polaroids of – your hunt and of your trophy, whether your trophy was for meat or your trophy was for um, the size or whatever you were hunting. I think that it it used to be the photo that was at the hunt club or in your mm-hmm. home or in your wallet or but it was it wasn't out there for the world to see. And so you did have those grip and grins and you did showcase things that you wouldn't necessarily show the rest of the world. You would show the people that are in your community that value and and understand it. And so as we have evolved into sharing our entire lives on a world, a global internet availability of photos, it it does draw that sense of responsibility. Who is looking at your stuff? Who who does have access? How could it be used against you? Um, it's mm-hmm. it is a way that it is a way that we're not holding back. It is just we are trying our best to present it in a way that can be utilized for good and not for bad. And I think yeah. that that's what you should apply to anything you're showcasing on the internet. How What good comes from it? What bad can come from it? And those are just those checks. I'm teaching a photography class this weekend in Missouri. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, how do you use your camera? How do you use it manually? How... Um, you know, stop taking a billion digital pictures, focus on doing it right, slow it down, like those kind of things. But one of the major topics is ethically posting pictures. And I think that's something Mm -hmm. that has to be talked about in our community. And uh, if you don't talk about it, if you don't think about it, I think that 
I think it shows a little bit of disrespect or at least not thinking of others. And Mm -hmm. it just shows compassion and it shows self-control and uh, it shows your motives behind it when your actions back up what you're talking about. So continue doing it. I think that it makes a difference. Um, We talk about consistently on here about the role that women have in our community, whether you're backpacking, um, whether you're an angler or a hunter, whatever position you are in in this industry and in this community, uh, as a woman, we do have the ability to to meet people and have conversations that a man just won't have the opportunity to do. And so evolving in the right way of how you are presenting it is so important to continue those conversations and to do those conversations Mm -hmm. well and respect people for where they are, not for where you want them to be. Yeah. 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 100%. Uh I think we forget that. Love it. I think we forget that, (laughs) that, you know, you're a non-hunter until you are a supporter of hunting or anti-hunting. And we have to reach people on that level, on a non-hunting level, not on a hunting level, because that's that's foreign to someone who has Mm -hmm. never been in it before. So if the first thing that they see is blood and guts, what is that going to do? How is that going to impact their decision on supporting our community or being against it? And it's just something that I carry in the back of my head every single day, whatever I post, whatever I say, whatever conversation is had, that is just the filter that it has to go through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so crazy too, because I kind of relate that, you know, I've obviously grown up my entire life hunting and, and doing this kind of stuff. Um, but one thing that I've never done, it has like hunted with dogs or Mm -hmm. like hog hunted or anything like that. And, you know, there's, there's, um, for a while I had kind of like this idea in my head that, you know, that way of hunting was unethical or Mm -hmm. whatever, but I've met so many, you know, houndsmen and houndswomen, um, and people who hunt with dogs over the last, um, couple of years. And they've really shown me, um, you know, how, how it works and how, Mm -hmm. you know, why, why it can be ethical and all that kind of stuff. Of course, in any kind of hunting, there's always going to be those people that are just not, not ethical hunters. They don't practice fair chase. Like they're, not concerned about how other people feel about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I have found that those people do exist, but luckily most of the time they're not the ones presenting themselves publicly. So, um, you know, 
it's um, good to it's good I, to shine light on the good part of it. Last year was the first time yeah. I hunted over dogs, and it was a mm-hmm. rabbit hunt. And I was so – you would be the same way. I was so afraid to take a shot because I thought I was going to shoot a dog. And uh-huh. it, it that's the biggest fear. It happens. And I did not want – I could not carry that on my conscience. And so <laughs> it was my hesitation. I mean, I never was able to take a shot. I didn't have uh, a rabbit come into my – you know, my lock zone of where I was going to shoot. But it was, I don't know if I would have missed out of hesitation or if I would have, it would be neat to try it again now having experienced it. But let me tell you, I was so busy watching those dogs work. I think my mouth was open the whole time like, oh, that's amazing. Um, I know. Just watching their joy and watching how, It's the passion behind what that dog has has. It's in their DNA of what they Mm -hmm. do, and they don't stop until they're made to stop. And it was it was incredible to watch it. Um, I hope I get to do it again this year. It was just I could have I could have walked without a gun and been completely happy. <laughs> uh, I'd yeah. love to to take a, a rabbit uh, over some beagles at some point, but it was an incredible experience. And again, I was kind of like you. I don't understand how. I mean, I had talked to Jen Cabbage, who uh, is out in South Carolina, and she hunts hogs with her dogs. And I'd had those conversations, and I support those hunters, like you said, that do it right. But I just never thought, I don't know if that, if I could do that, or if I want to do that, or if that's, it's just always circling in your head. And seeing mm-hmm. people do it right and do it well, it draws me in just a little bit more. Yeah. And, you know, I think, too, a lot of the people that run dogs, and I don't know how this conversation is. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I think a lot of people that run dogs, a lot of times they don't even, they don't even actually, like, shoot any animals while they're running dogs. Right. Like, especially with, like, cats and stuff like that. You wait. And bears, yeah. like, mm-hmm. a lot of times they just run them out of, you know, a farmer's property or rancher's property. A yeah. lot of times they're, you know, just getting them out of, getting them back to where they belong instead yes. of, you know, encroaching in on people's spaces. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, one thing I learned. I'm like, okay, so, like, there are multiple cat reasons. hunting isn't always about killing the cat. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's literally about relocating the cat. So yeah. I think it's, I think it's really cool to just, it's multifaceted if, yeah 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 super cool but yeah. um I would love to experience it too um I like I think we talked about this earlier but I grew up waterfowl hunting and my dog my dad has always had duck dogs and you're totally mm-hmm. right like it's inspiring to watch them because they just love it so much and it's like yes okay like <laughs> I uh, I need to have a little more excitement in my life too, you know, like this <laughs> yeah. dog is like, this is Shaking. what it lives for. And yes. I claim that this is what it lives for. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it, it's very inspiring to watch them. We talk 
a lot about with waterfowl hunting, whether it's goose hunting or duck hunting or whatever it is. I've I've always enjoyed having a dog on the hunt, and I I don't. I talk a lot about how waterfowl hunting is so great to step outside of if you're a solo hunter or, you know, deer hunting, big game hunting, but stepping into the waterfowl world, I think everybody should try it because it is so different. Uh, it's so, it's social. It is, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's 100% different, but then add a dog <laughs> And I'm I'm in. I if you've got a dog and you're going waterfowl hunting, I'm there. I will, I will, I will put out all the decoys. I will, <laughs> I volunteer as tribute for doing all of the mucky work, um, just to be able to be a part of that. It's just a blast seeing them work. And um, I don't know. We're I'm going to try to get our puppy on some blood this year to try to see if she can track and Mm -hmm. it'd be great to to have her um be able to do that but you know you never know until you get a dog out to see if they can do that um but it'd be interesting i've had a maltese track a deer before um Mm. it it's just innate in them i would guess but yeah I don't know how we got on off on this tangent. You and I both love our pups so much that it was just it went there. <laughs> it did. It's hard for me to have a conversation if I can't talk about my dog. It's true. I do have a question for you, and I ask this question um, of the both men and women that are on this podcast. I like to ask it because. I don't know. I guess I'm keeping a tally. And one day when I write a book, it'll be a part of that. But I'm wondering along the way of you learning, I know that your dad was a huge impact in you as a child. But did you have any women who were in the outdoors, either growing up or coming back in as an adult, being independent, any female mentors in the outdoor community that you have been able to follow along and learn from? Yeah. Um, so nobody like directly, like nobody in person. Mm -hmm. Um, but there were several women that I like followed on social media who really inspired me. Mm -hmm. Um, I can name a few of them. Um, Christy Titus is one of my one of my friends and and she was kind of I was kind of like a fan girl of hers for many years but Mm -hmm. um her and I have kind of connected over the last few years uh, through a mutual friend um from Montana Silversmiths and Uh so uh we got to sit down and hang out together and she has definitely been a mentor of sorts to me um and I just honestly like watching her she she is one of the ones in the industry who tells the story, who shows, you know, shines light on the respectful way to present yourself, mm-hmm. um, you know, teaches, you know, I, I just, I love what she does because um, it, it's how I would want to present myself. So she's definitely been a role model. And then um, Jana Waller from Schoolbound oh, TV. Yes. Um, I really... I really like her too. And and my dad actually introduced me to her TV show and stuff like that when I was in high school. Yeah. I think it was high school. It might've been, it might've been older than that, but, um, but yeah, so th- those two women, and it's funny because they're actually friends. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love Gina. But, 
absolutely yeah. love her. I love, yeah. Anyway, yeah, both of them. I've, it's, I didn't ha- grow up in a hunting community. We've, we've said that before, but it, uh, growing as an adult into this community, it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy to iron out who is real and who is not. And, uh, even speaking to people like you and um, a couple of other people that I've had on, Jana has been a huge impact in their lives. Just from an encouraging standpoint of, you can do this, and mm-hmm. this is why. And I think that that mm-hmm. um, I met her through who was it? Kylie McRae. Do you know who Kylie is? Um. If I like saw her face or maybe her you Instagram, probably. Maybe, so she is younger. <laughs> she's, um, I think she started college this year. Um, I think so. Unless she's a senior this year, Kylie. I'm sorry if I mess it up. I apologize. But when <laughs> I had a conversation with her, um, she, I think she was 12 when she got her first turkey grand slam, and I think she's hmm. had seven wow. or eight since then. Like, she's pretty oh stinking amazing. But when I said, who is somebody that you look up to, Jana was one of those women. And mm-hmm. I love that in talking to women growing up back in the day, some of them, when they were looking for inspiration, uh, it was hard finding women who hunted because all you saw were pictures of models, because they didn't mm-hmm. necessarily back then use real women who hunted as the figure for a magazine or whatever. They were models. And so women yeah. looked in girls, I should say girls, looked at these models and said, I don't look like that. Mm-hmm. That's not what I look like. Can I be a hunter? Can I be like – if you've got strong mentors in your life, they're going to be able to say, no, that, that that's just a model. But if you don't and you're by yourself, do I look like that? I don't look like that. Where are people who look yeah. like me? And I mm-hmm. think that over the past, I would say, 15 years, you have more access to real female hunters who look completely different from each other, and yet they have the same goals and the same mindset and the same respect. And I think that people like you and people like Jana and and people like Kylie even, like it pushes the demographic of what female hunters have to look like out the door. And you can mm-hmm. look, you can wear full makeup, you can wear no makeup, you can be a kid, you can be um, all different shapes and sizes and be out there doing what you love. And mm-hmm. I think that has, I, I kind of did a big, huge squirrel run on that, but it is okay. going back to mentors these days when you find the real ones and you find the authentic ones you will also find women that you can not compare yourself to but that you can relate to Mm -hmm. and that's what's important Yeah. yeah and i'll be completely honest you know even even five six seven years ago um you know i 
not so much with Christy and Gianna because I thought that they were like, I thought that they were like seriously so far beyond where I could ever imagine myself <laughs> being, which is hilarious. Yes. Um, but like the the girls that were like my age or maybe a little bit older or maybe had just gotten into hunting, I would see their success and I'd be like, like, why can't that be me? Like, I, I would get jealous sometimes. Um, I would decide that I didn't like them because they were more privileged, you know, mm-hmm. all the funny things that go through your head. Yeah. And then somewhere along the line, um, maybe it came with maturity or maybe it just came with, you know, um, experiencing my own success on my own timeline. But mm-hmm. it was like, no, if there's somebody out there doing something that you want to do, that means it's possible for you to do it too. And yes. so, you know, yes. you see these, you see these women, you know, that can blow a duck call or a goose call really well. And you're like, man, like, I can't do that. For me, I've had to make that mindset switch. If I'm like, if somebody impresses me, I'm going to go figure out how to do that. And then I mean use it as inspiration and so um that's been a that's been a tough mindset switch to make um but for me it's been so freeing Mm -hmm. because now I can go actually genuinely be excited for somebody else's success or compliment somebody on their elk calling or their duck calling or whatever and just be like that's super impressive like tell me about how you learned how to do that yes um so yeah that that comparison game I've experienced it um it's not fun and it's really lonely yeah yeah and unfortunately it goes on a lot still today um I think it always will Mm -hmm. and you know it sucks too when it's coming from the other side when somebody is which I'm sitting here going like why would anybody be jealous of me because if they actually knew what I've been through right um they probably wouldn't be jealous but recently I had somebody make a comment publicly on my social media page that I knew came from um came from some sort of sense of, I don't know if it was jealousy or insecurity or what it was. Um, But I was able to recognize that because I lived through it myself. And I was like, (laughs) oh, um, I might not have like commented publicly, but I would have probably had those feelings internally. So Mm -hmm. um, it makes me sad to see. And I really hope that that's something that, um, I really hope that that's something that you know, women like yourself and myself and those Christies and Janas of the world. Um, I really hope that we can start to paint a different picture and yeah. show, you know, there's a different way. Like if you want to do something, like I'd love to help you learn. Like yeah. I'd love to go through this with you. I'd love to, um, I'd love to be a resource or I'd love to, you know, I don't know, learn from something from you too. So right. I don't know. It's, it, it is a mindset. It's a mindset shift. And I think it happens. Hopefully it happens for everybody, but it doesn't necessarily. And it can happen 
with you at a young age, depending on who you surround yourself with, or it can happen at an older age when you kind of give get to that, you know, I don't give a crap what what people think as long as I am doing things in a way that is glorifying to God, right? Or Mm -hmm. is respectful to those around me. Shoot, I just want to shine a spotlight on people all the time who are doing it great. And Mm -hmm. if if Mm -hmm. I'm shining that spotlight and if I'm lifting up people who are doing it great, then our community is only going to grow better. If I'm only shining a light on the negativity, what does that do? And it breeds more negativity. Yes. (laughs) And I don't want to be a jealous person. It is innate in our systems to be that. Mm -hmm. And you have to fight against it. And it, Mm -hmm. it is like you said, freeing. It's not my burden to carry for somebody to be that way. And it's, it is sad when you see it, but I hope that, mm-hmm. I don't know, through conversations or through, uh, through meeting and all of that, that it can, it can change. And I do hope yeah. for change and I mm-hmm. hope that, uh, we can continue to grow as women in our community and men, um, that you can kind of get out of that, well, I'm not like her, or I'm not like him, mm-hmm. or I don't want to be, or mm-hmm. um, they only got there because of blah, blah, blah. Well, that's why storytelling is so important, because I can mm-hmm. sit here and make a judgment call on somebody all day long, but I don't know their story. I don't know yeah. where they've come from, and that is very shallow of me if I thought that way without knowing who they are. And mm-hmm. we're not called to judge. We're called to hold accountable, but not to judge. And um, yeah. and there's a difference. And so I hope yeah. that we can continue to shine that light on the good and on the positive yeah. so that we can change the minds of anti-hunters and we can mm-hmm. bring non-hunters over to the side of support if they don't want to hunt and do it in a way that is um, that is good. And yeah, I, I love how you said that. So thank you for saying that. It's truth. All of it is truth. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I think like to... I'm really passionate about this subject um, because I've I've been through it myself and I feel like I'm, for the most part, on the other side. You know, sometimes the devil has like a funny way of like sneaking in and trying to, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, yeah. <laughs> make you feel jealous or whatever like that. But um, I just think it's so important to, for myself and, you know, I tell this to my friends and stuff too, like do not contribute to the negativity. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of things where, you know, somebody calls somebody out on social media for something really stupid. Um, and then, you know, stories circulate or posts circulate mm-hmm. or people are talking about other people. And I've been sent a few, you know, posts that were like, Hey, reshare this. I'm like, absolutely not. No. Whether it's true or not true. Like, this is this is divisive and mm-hmm. it is not constructive like yeah. if you have a problem 
go confront the person privately. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and there's a difference so, between the petty little things, right, and poaching. <laughs> They're like yeah. illegal things, and I don't. I there's a fine line on on reposting, and I, I don't do that, but I do find it important to divide hunters from poachers. There's oh, yeah, there no, is a sure. huge That's... difference in that, yeah. But the petty <laughs> little things, Dad Gummit, I just wish that we could get past that. It's like middle school, like just get past the petty little things, um, and, because yeah. that's going to distract from the important things that need to be dealt with. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm I'm on the same page as you, 100. <laughs> percent Yeah. Yeah. If somebody does something that risks my ability to continue doing this lifestyle for the rest of my life. Like, I'm not afraid to talk about it. <laughs> no, uh, it, it needs to <laughs> be if, put out there. Yeah. Uh, I do want to hear... Some, like, go ahead. drama, I'm like, you know, leave uh, that. Yeah. Uh-uh, <laughs> leave not, the petty drama. Like, that's not for the internet. <laughs> no, it's not. Well, what have you got coming up that, um, that we can follow? You've got a hunt. You said you're leaving later this week. What... Is it elk or deer? Yeah. So um, basically, I'll just kind of fill everybody in on what's happened over the last month. Um, My husband and I were supposed to be hunting pretty much the entire month of September Mm -hmm. um, for primarily elk, but there's also deer and bears in the area that we hunt as well. Um, and anyways, my, my seven month old puppy ended up having to have emergency surgery for an intussusception, which mm-hmm. most people won't know what that means unless you're in the medical field, but, um, it's very dangerous, it's a pretty, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty major surgery. And she's been recovering for like the last three weeks now. So we, um, pretty much had to take the first three weeks off of the season. We got to hunt two days. And my husband um, made an amazing stock on an elk um, that we bedded down and got within 75 yards, but just didn't have a shooting lane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, we had to come back home. And he actually just left yesterday to go up and hunt for a few days. Remy, our little puppy, she gets her stitches and staples out on Thursday. So I stayed back with the dogs and I will help her get her um, staples out and stuff on Thursday. And then we're all going to head up and join my husband um, for a couple weeks to hopefully finish out the elk season. And then we kind of just made the executive decision to hunt the rut with our rifles for mule deer this fall. So um, our original game plan was to basically harvest all of our tags with um, our bows, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, plans change. Plans a change. Bit and you gotta be flexible. Yeah. Yeah. There's... So hopefully we can both, um, find a, find a, um, an elk to shoot. You know, honestly, at this point I'd be open to shooting a cow or mm-hmm. a spike or honestly, whatever. But, um, the area that we hunt has a lot of really good branch antler bulls. So, um, really anything is in, in the mix, anything's in the cards and I'm excited. So. I'm excited too. I'm excited to follow along. I'm glad that she's doing better. And, uh, I know that it was really scary there for a little bit. So I'm glad she's doing better. Um, I'm excited to hear about the hunt and see how it goes. And 
we wish you the best of luck. I hope that that everything turns out good and y'all can fill your freezers and have great hunts to talk about. I love how you just said uh, that your husband had a great stock on a bull and there's just no shooting lane. I, we don't talk about that as often, right? We don't talk about mm-hmm. the the hunts that we walk away from without something. And I think it's important to talk about those, to talk about the decision to not take a shot and um, to take a step back and and to not do it when it's not available instead of pushing through for the gram or for social media and making a bad shot. And I think that that should be celebrated more. So I'm glad that you brought that up. It's good. Yeah, no, I'm. we're actually going to be doing some educational videos um, throughout the season as well. And we'll probably end up posting them after the season. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, the, there's a really cool story about that stock that he made. Um, and you guys will have to follow along so that you guys can watch it and hopefully learn from it. Because we learned so much from mm-hmm. that just one stock. So. Well, and that's yeah. all about you. You live it, you learn from it, and then you pass it on so other people can learn as well. So um, that's all about our community. That's what we do. And it's not to boast. It's not to throw out this and that. It's hopefully that, I mean, I'd want to learn from it so I don't make the same mistake or that I can learn from it to do something better. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why storytelling is so important. It's so important, whether it's visual or verbal. um, It passes on the things that you might not necessarily have access to. So great job, you two. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. It's been, it's been so fun. I can't believe it's already been an hour. (laughs) (laughs) I know it, right? I do want people to tell everybody how they can follow you and how they can find these videos. Yeah, for sure. So honestly, I would say I'm most active on social or on Instagram, Uh um, social media, (laughs) (laughs) um, most active on Instagram. And my handle is Miranda.huff. Um, it's kind of, a weird spelling so I can spell it out too unless you're going to put it in the comments or something. I will, but it's H O U G H. Yes, and yes. then my first name is M A R A N D A. So Yep. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you so much and guys go follow Miranda and and catch what they've got in store for us and um I hope Remy stays good and healed and that she's ready to have those staples out soon. (laughs) Thank you so much.